in our midst, O oh God. Your presence that makes all of the difference. This morning, even as we are gathered, O oh God, glorify your name. Touch us in a special way. Speak to us. Touch us where no man has reached us, that our lives may be more like you, O oh Lord. Father, at the end of today's service, let every glory go to you. Anoint your word, O oh God. Anoint my lips. Touch the hearts of your people, O God. Let hearts be receptive, O God, this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Let's give the choir. Let's give Jesus a clap offering for the choir. God bless you. Hallelujah. And thanks to Brother Lamide also for that wonderful prayer of thanksgiving and worship. Hallelujah. Today is Youth Sunday, but I have the permission of the youth to still say one or two more things regarding our theme, uh, Rooted in Christ, uh, this Sunday. So I say thank you to the youth for giving me that opportunity. Hallelujah. Okay, um, today I want to talk about the Christian and godly choices, still on being rooted in Christ, but the subtopic, the Christian and godly choices, hallelujah. So we want to talk about choices we make, uh, and I do realize that some of us have made choices in the past that is affecting our present. Uh, while, while we may not be able to change the choices of the past, but we have an opportunity, beginning from today, to determine the choices we make for our future, beginning from today. You know, someone said, the choices you make are yours, and the results are the world that you live in. The choices you make are yours, but the results are the world that you live in. If we must know, decisions determine destiny. And sometimes, we don't know how to make good decisions. Decisions determine destiny. And every one of us, we make decisions every day. As a matter of fact, 
since you woke up this morning. I'm sure you have been confronted with so many decisions that you have had to make. What you are going to wear to church, for instance, must have been a decision for you to make. Uh, for some of us, where to worship this morning may have been a decision for you to make. Who perhaps to visit after church today is for some a decision they are making already. What offering to give may have been a decision you make. And some of these could, could be classified as, as minor decisions. But there are more serious decisions that we make in life. Uh, I, I heard that Steve Jobs, the, the founder or the co-founder of Apple, wears a black t-shirt and a jeans all of the time because he said that his mind is on too many things for him to be able to think about what to wear. <laughs> I'm sure you can understand what that means. So eliminating that need to make every decision every morning, what should I wear? He wears a black t-shirt and a jeans all of the time. I also understand that Crest toothpaste has over 33 different varieties of the toothpaste. But for you and me, all we may care about is toothpaste that can protect us from cavities and give us a fresh breath. But it has, they have 33 different varieties. And that is talking about choices. People have to make those choices the one they want. So what I'm trying to bring out here is that we are bombarded with choices on a daily basis. And having to make choices can sometimes, sometimes be very exhausting. But what I really want to talk about today is about how we make key decisions. Key decisions. Decisions that impact on eternity. Not the minor decisions of what to wear, but decisions that impact on eternity. Because the world we live in today is as a result of the decisions that we made yesterday. Do we understand that? Who you are today, where you are today, is as a result of the decisions you made yesterday. And may God help us to make right choices. So a, a rooted Christian learns how to test a decision and make the right one. And I want to share five, should I call them five questions or five tests we can always subject our decisions to. Five questions we can always subject our decisions to. And I believe while someone here may not be able to fix his or her past, today God will help you to set up a better future by making smart choices. Amen? Now, how do I make smart or godly choices? How do I make smart or godly choices? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, we begin from there. I will read from the New Living Translation. Proverbs chapter 3, I will read verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Mm. So, 
seeking his will in the decisions we make is what we want to discuss today. And I want to share five, five questions quickly we should always ask. The first question is what we can call the ideal question. And what is the ideal question? Is asking yourself, that decision I am about to make, is it in harmony with God's word? God will never tell you to do something that contradicts his word. I've had Christians, I've even had pastors say, God told me to leave my wife and marry, marry another one. God said no such thing. God often gets credit for things he's nowhere near. <laughs> you know, that God said, God said, is a wild card that people often play to silence opposition. When people want to manipulate people, they want to do something, say, God said. And of course, <laughs> you hands up. Is it not? It's a card people play to silence opposition. I'm not saying God does not say. But oftentimes, when people say that God said, it's not God that said. And how you know it's not God that said is when that thing they say or do contradicts the word of God. Am I making sense this morning? Praise the Lord. If it contradicts God's word, God did not say it, period. And this is a very important test because when we subject ourselves to this test, what we are saying, what we are saying, the simple thing we are saying is, whose authority am I under? Whose authority am I under? You know, somebody said, we are all going to serve somebody. And what is important is to determine what you are going to serve. Am I going to serve popular opinion? Am I going to serve the society or base my judgments or opinion on Facebook or social media? Or will I base it on God's word? What does the word of God say about what I'm about to decide? That is the question. Am I making sense, please? I need you to follow me. May God breathe upon his word this morning in the name of Jesus. Are you listening? I don't know why I'm feeling some form of heaviness. Almighty Father, we ask, O oh Lord, that your breath comes afresh upon us this morning. Brood over your word. Brood over our hearts. Brood over our ears. Give us hearing ears this morning. And glorify your name. Every opposition to your word, Lord, we cast it down. And we trample it under our foot this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What was the last thing I said? What does the word of God say about what I am going to decide? You see, sometimes the word of God is very clear. And sometimes the word of God is not as clear as we want it to be. Do you agree? Praise God. There are some things that we want to do that the word of God says nothing about. But it's important to understand that facts, facts change, but the word doesn't. The word is constant. 
The scripture declares forever my word is settled in heaven. Which means forever it is done. So, spiritual laws are just in existence as our natural laws. I want us to understand that. There are some natural laws which we understand. There are some which we may not understand. We are, for instance, clear on the law of gravity, aren't we? That whatever goes up must come down. You may not like it. You may not like it. I may not like it. But it remains a law. If you decide to jump down from a flying helicopter, even if you don't like the law of gravity, I'm sure you will experience that law. And very likely in a very unpleasant way. So whether you like it or not, it is there. That whatever goes up must come down. It remains a law. You can reject it for all you want, but it is a law. The one who put the law of gravity into place also put into place spiritual laws that if you go against those laws, you will meet the consequences. The good book says, the way of the transgressor is hard. Now, the reason, perhaps, why some people are living a hard life and they are wondering why. It's because they do, all the things they do is to transgress the laws of God. And the word of God says that the ways of the transgressor is what? It's hard. Praise the Lord. On the other hand, if you flow with spiritual laws, there's a blessing. But do you know something? The oldest temptation in the world... Can you listen to me? Is the temptation to doubt the word of God. That has been the temptation from Adam. And is still the temptation today. The temptation to doubt the word of God. Did God really say? Was that really what God meant? <laughs> Did God really, really, really say that I cannot sleep with him or her even though we are going to get married? Out of all of the trees in the garden, did he really say I cannot have that one? Did he really? And this is still happening to us today. Did he really say I must go to church? Did God really say that? Did he really say I am supposed to? You know the questions go on and on. It's, it's inexhaustive. The list is endless. But let me tell you something about the word of God that you need to understand. You don't have to understand why God tells you to do something in order to benefit from it. You don't have to. You don't have to. Are we together? For instance, for instance, we see, how do I put this now? Where in the scriptures, the Bible says, 
for those who may ask, for instance, I give that as an example. Did God really say, I must go to church? But the word of God says, it is good for brethren to dwell together in fellowship. What does that simply mean? It did not say you should or you should not. But it means that the flip side of it is that when you don't dwell together in fellowship, it is not good. Does that not make sense? Does that not make sense? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There could be a thousand reasons why you should or you should not. But because I cannot come up with a reason why you should be in church does not mean that when you obey that, you will not benefit from it. That's the point I'm making. As a pastor, I have seen, particularly among the young and the youthful believers, not coming to church is often, often the very first step to their backsliding. Over the years, I've seen that. So that is when they begin to say, must I really? I've seen that over the years. The same pattern repeats itself. Anytime that sign begins to show up, it shows up by them distancing themselves from fellowship. Iron must sharpen iron. That is what the word of God says. So God does not deal with why. He just says, do it. Because you ought to trust me. Like Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 that we read. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. Amen? Amen. So we must always ask ourselves, the decision I am about to make, does it flow with or does it contradict the word of God? Let me move quickly to the next question. The second question is the integrity question. The integrity question. What would happen if everybody else found out or would I want other people to know about this decision I'm about to make? Did you get that? The question we must ask ourselves, what would happen if I make this choice or decision? What will happen if other people found out? If we have that at the back of our minds, do you know how many decisions that will fix for us? Do I want my family to know? Do I want fountain of living waters to know? How would this affect others? Ask yourself these questions every now and then. Can I tell you something? What is sin at its core? Sin at its core is selfishness. Sin doesn't think about others. Sin thinks about self. I, I must confess that there are days in my life when it wasn't my strength or my morality or my deep convictions that prevented me from doing certain things. I must confess that. There are certain times I have wanted to do certain things. It's not because I'm... I'm so convicted, but the thing that stops me from doing it is how will this affect my family, for instance? How will this affect the church if it becomes open? 
It was just me saying, wait a minute, if I do this, will it hurt them? I love them too much to want to get them into this mess. I will not intentionally hurt them. And here's an amazing thing. Are you listening to me? Bad choices always lead to secrets. And secrets always lead to more secrets. Did you hear me? Bad choices always, always leads to secrets. What we are trying to do is to live by integrity. And integrity is not perfection. No, let's not make a mistake. Integrity is not perfection. But integrity is when your public life matches your private life. That's integrity. Integrity is whenever what you see is who I truly am. You see, a, a, a lot of us are worried about reputation. Reputation is what people think about you. That is what reputation is, what people think about you. But rather, we should be worried about what? Character. Character is who you really are. That is who you really are. Character is who you are in the dark when no one is seeing you. That is character. When no one is looking. Integrity is when you, your work matches your talk. That's integrity. When there's a harmony between your public life and your private life, you have integrity. What then must we do? Let us all, including me, all of us, including me, let us do what? Begin to work on closing the gap between our public life and our private life. It doesn't mean you are perfect. It just means you have integrity. And I tell you, it's quite a, it's very, very tough on people who try to live one way and present another way. Here's what Solomon said. Solomon was the wisest man. Whoever lived in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, he said, He who walks in with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will become known. Mm. You see, when you walk in integrity, you don't have to remember what you said the last time. When you walk in integrity, you don't have to guard your phone. You can leave it anywhere and everyone in the house can pick it up and know your password. Parents, wives, parents, children. Some of you may say, huh? <laughs> if you cannot ask your child for his or her passcode, then don't buy them one. After all, you are the one paying for it. We must begin to teach our children to walk in integrity. The reason you can leave your password is because when you walk in integrity, you walk what? Securely. Like Proverbs chapter 10 tells us. You walk securely. Now, the flip side, the other part of the scripture, in that Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9, we just read, says, the one who perverts his ways 
that is the one that is not walking in integrity, will become known. He will be found out. It may not be now, may not be today, but will someday. How many of us know that nothing is ever hidden? They say you can fool some of the people all the time. You can fool all of the people all, some of the time. But you can never fool all of the people all of the time. Even if they don't find out, but you yourself know. You yourself know. And that is why I want to say, do not override your conscience. Do not override your conscience. Every time you violate your conscience, you are making a big mistake. It doesn't matter if it is not a Bible issue. If it bothers you, don't do it. If it bothers you, don't do it. If you can't get peace about what you're about to do, don't do it. Yes, God is faithful and God is just to forgive. But here's something we must understand. There's a difference between being forgiving of sins and a difference being from being released from the consequences of sin. There's a difference. There's a difference. Forgiveness and consequences of our sins are two different things. And I want you to be rooted people. That is why I'm telling you this. I, I, I hate hearing from people when they say life is hard. Life is hard because we are probably making the wrong choices. That is why. There are no two ways about it. If you keep making bad decisions, you are going to get bad results. Yes, God gave us the freedom to choose and to make choices, but he did not give us the freedom to choose the consequences of our decisions. Is that clear? There will always be consequences. If you decide to jump from a 10-story building and on your way down, how many of you know that that is absolute foolishness? Is it not? It's absolute foolishness. 10-story building or 20-story building. And on your flight down, I've said this before, as you are going down and say, oh Lord, forgive me. Will God not forgive you? He will forgive you immediately, instantly. Will the consequences be there? If you are alive to see the consequences. Let's go to the next test. The third question is the improvement question. This choice I am about to make, will it make me a better person? Apostle Paul said something powerful in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23. I will read from the NIV, the New International Version. He says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. So Paul was saying, under the new covenant that we all are today, things are a little different from the old covenant. You know, he told us somewhere in the scriptures that the law was written in stones, but now the law is written upon where? Our hearts. Okay, good. So we are in a dispensation of grace. 
And it's a great place to be, to be in the dispensation of grace. So he says, there are things that are permissible to me, but not everything is about, is it right or is it wrong? Am I making sense to somebody? The real question is, is it beneficial or is it constructive? You know, there's a level we get to as matured and rooted believers, rooted Christians, that everything is no longer about asking whether is it a sin or is not a sin. As you grow up in Christ, issues no longer dwell or revolve around, oh, is this thing I'm about to do, is it a sin or is it not a sin? No, it goes beyond that. That is not the question. We shouldn't necessarily be asking, can I? Mm. Rather, the question should be, yes, it is good. It's good, all right. But of what benefit is it? What's the benefit if I do? You see, some things are not just wrong. They are not necessarily wrong. They are just stupid. Every decision is not, is it good or is it evil? Sometimes there are neutral decisions in life. Very neutral. But it's about whether it is beneficial or it is constructive. You can take a whole day, for instance, a whole day, spend that whole day watching Nollywood or Netflix. It may not have broken any of the Ten Commandments, and thank God. But the question is, yes, it may be permissible. Was that the best use of your time? Was that the best use of your life? Yes, maybe it is not morally wrong. But I am sure wasting the one solitary life that I have doing some of these things. You know, the interesting thing is that blowing our time could be worse than blowing money. Do you know that? People have risen from bankruptcy. If you lose money, you can always get it back. But if you lose time, it cannot be gotten back. Except God really helps you. So you may not have done something wrong because your decision is neutral. But what have you done? What have you done right? Is the real issue. So when making a decision on something you want to do, you need to ask, will this make me a better person? Will it make me a better person? Will it improve me? Will it add value to my life or to those around me? A lot of the choices we make are not between good and evil, but just between better and best. Am I investing in someone else's life by this choice that I'm about to make? You know, when our time on the earth is over, when we are lying in state and people are paying the last respect, hope you know that nobody who is paying that last respect ever says, ah, 
we watched the rich, all of the series of the rich also cried together. Nobody who is paying that last respect will say, ah, we watched all of the Premier Leagues together. Nobody will say, have you ever seen that? What will they say? Ah, this person touched my life in this way or in this way. Does that make sense? Our church is sleeping today. Church is sleeping. Are you sure? I'm not hearing you. You may be hearing me. I'm not hearing you. I need the feedback. The bottom line is, we have just so much time and resources on this earth to be who God created us to be. And we must make the best of it. Don't waste it on trivial issues. I'm not saying you shouldn't have fun. But we should make our lives count. The fourth question is the independence question. I don't know how much better I could have phrased it. The independence question. And the question is, could my decision become addictive? Could my decision become or my choice become addictive? I learned that there are over 2,200 different kinds of addictions. Over 2,200 different kinds of addictions. And all of us, all of us are guilty of one addiction or the other. Some are just addicted to people. It's a kind of codependency. When people are not around them, they can't, they can't, they can't function. Some need approval from people before they can do anything. They call it the need for validation from others. And it's a terrible thing. Some just have to be with the opposite sex. The Bible teaches that no matter how good something is, whether it is people or substance or leisure or whatever, we are to be dominated by nothing but God. You know, there's a fruit of the Spirit. It is one of the nine, and it is called self-control. Self-control. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. The B part. All things are love. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. All things are lawful for me. But all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, Paul was saying, I will not be brought under the control of anything but God. All things are lawful. It may be permissible. It may be good. But I will not be brought under the control of any. In other words, nothing but God should control me. You know, let me tell you this. True Christianity is not a list of what you cannot do. Rather, true Christianity is the freedom to choose what you will do, but to choose wisely. Christianity is not about a list of restrictions. No. Christianity is the freedom to choose what you will do. But when you choose, choose wisely. Make the right choices. Because God leads. God guides. He gives wisdom to make right choices. 
we cannot be making decisions like people who don't go to church, who don't know God and then wonder why our lives don't look different from their lives. If you make decisions like people in the world make decisions, your life will look like their lives. Simple. Am I making sense this morning? If you make decisions like the world and you expect your life to be different, that is what is called meaningless Christianity. It's not about being better than anyone, but if what is contained in scriptures work, then there's got to be a distinction in our lives based on the choices that we make. There's got to be. The word is only good if applied. Knowing the word is not enough. It is doing the word that matters. Paul said, I will not be brought under the control of anything except God. Why should I not allow anything to dominate my life? Because whatever dominates your life becomes your God. Whatever dominates your life becomes your God. The very first commandment of God is, you shall have no other gods but me. Because God is a jealous God. Very jealous. And we could be addicted to different things arising from the choices we make. We could be addicted to TV programs. We could be addicted to gambling. We could be addicted to food or to junk food. We could be addicted to alcohol. We could be addicted to pornography. We could be addicted to indecent fashion. You could be addicted to self. How many of people, people, you know that some people have made themselves their gods? Pleasure. What is comfortable for me? There is no discomfort in their lives. You could be addicted to sugar. All things should be done in moderation. Permissible, but in moderation. Never allow yourself to be brought under the control of something. That is bondage. Let nothing but God dominate your life. How do you know that something is dominating your life? How do you know? It's just to answer this simple question. What do I think of about the most? What occupies my mind? When your mind is free, what, where does your mind go to? That is probably or possibly what dominates you. In your quiet moments, what do you think about? You know, when you ask yourself this question, in my quiet moments, what do I think about? You come to know and find out how far God is from you. Because for some of us, God is the last thing on our minds. God is the last thing on our minds. Wouldn't it be wonderful if what we think of mostly is what God wants? What God wants? What we should be doing for God in our 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and the remaining years of our existence? And when you ask yourself these questions, don't deceive yourself. The greatest day is the day you stop lying to yourself. I've seen too many Christians being addicted to some things because somewhere that particular thing they are addicted to took the first place in their lives. They gave it preeminence in their lives. Some are addicted to sleep. That is why in church they sleep. 
Everything is lawful, but I will not be controlled by anything but God. And the fifth and the last is the influence question. Is somebody being blessed? The church is just too quiet today. And I refuse to want to believe that it's because you are listening. I think more people are sleeping than listening. The influence question. This one is very close to the second question which we asked, which is the integrity question. Will it harm other people? You see, we never make a lot of decisions in a vacuum. Every day we make decisions. Those decisions impact people around us. Do we know that? A lot of us have made decisions from very poor judgments which have negatively impacted others. And these decisions, if only we paused to think about them before we acted on them, if we paused to think, who will this decision affect? I'm sure our choices would have been different. Would certainly have been different. And these decisions are decisions that run counter to the word of God because the culture we live in today is about me, 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 myself, and I. That is what the world teaches, me. You know, the, the days are fast, are fast gone or fast going when, I mean, Christians used to say, I feel convicted. What you hear from Christians today is that I feel offended. The days when Christians used to be or convicted is gone. Christians used to act by conviction before. Now they act by being offended. Because it's all about me. Hashtag me, myself and I. We should put that up. Everyone is offended. It used to be convicted. Hearts used to be convicted. Christian hearts. Christian hearts used to be pliable. But today, our hearts are like those of the people in the world because the world teaches us to be what? To be hard. And we must know it's not always about me. Whenever we make decisions, it also impacts others. It's not only government officials that make decisions that impact others. Though. You, me, all of us, we make decisions that impact others within your own sphere of influence. Let me give you an example as a teenager. You make decisions that will affect your peers and your parents. Let's look at the Chidima saga, for instance. How many of you know the Chidima saga on social media? Are you in this world? Even though I say you should not dwell on social media, but at least you know. Abby, uh -huh. look at that family, for instance. The name of that family, if not forever tarnished, is tarnished for a long time to come. Except she proves herself innocent. True or false? So you see, that selfish decision or choice she made, no, I told you sin, is always about selfishness. That selfish decision has not impacted only her, but who? Everybody around her. They have a ripple effect on others, particularly those who care about you. 
you are sent to school to study, make that your focus. Because deciding to follow bad friends can have devastating effects on you and on your family and those around you. Amen? If in government and you're a public figure, do the things that are right. Romans chapter 14 verse 12, NKJV, verse 12 and 13. Romans chapter 14 verse 12, it reads, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. I know everybody likes that part. Don't judge me. You are judging me. Don't judge me. Well, look at what he says next. But rather, resolve this. Not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. That tells you that what you do affects others. Praise the Lord. It is interesting how we can make decisions and not consider what the ripple effects are. Or what the ripple effects could be. How it impacts others. You don't realize how that simple decision to take just one bottle of beer with your friend on a Friday night can hamper how, how you can intervene in the life of those friends in the future. I will tell you a story. There's this story. One pastor told that story sometime back, sometime in 2018 or so. He said that a member of the church came to him and said to him, Ah, this my particular friend is in serious trouble, has gone into some form of addiction and all that. Please, pastor, I want you to come and help us rescue this friend. Intervene. So the pastor asked him, Is this your friend a member of our church? He said, No. Ah. The pastor said, is this your friend born again? Has he given his life to Christ? He said no. Ah. So, as far as the pastor was concerned, he felt he had no credibility before that person. At least, if that person was a member of the church, he could say, okay, let him use his influence as the pastor. If the person was uh, 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 born again, at least he can use scriptures to talk to the person. But the person was neither. And in fact, he had no credibility. So he told the member of his church, he said, but you are his friend now. You know him better than I do. You know he's going out, he's coming in, you have known him, because the friend told him that they've been friends for a long time. He said, why don't you be the one to talk to him? I'm sure you'll be able to influence him. And the guy kept quiet. As he kept quiet, then it occurred to him, he said, ah, okay, I understand. That thing you are complaining about, you have been doing it with him, Abby. He bowed his head and said, yes, pastor. You see, when you make certain choices, it impacts on your ability to be a witness to others. Does that make sense? When you do the things that they do and there is no difference, you lack the moral authority to be able to influence when you throw tantrums and you are angry in the office just the way they do, you lack the moral authority to be able to influence them positively. When you do those shady deals in the office, you cut corners just the way they do, no difference. 
you lack the moral authority to be able to influence them positively. Does that make sense? When you stand with friends and that lady passes and you follow them and you are walking, watching the backside, you lack the moral authority to be able to influence them when they get into trouble. Because most of them are saying, if this is what Christianity is all about, I'm better off where I am. What am I saying? You can lose your witness by the choices you make. Praise the Lord. You hold people in bitterness, in unforgiveness. You get so easily offended, just like they do. What is the difference? We're studying in Sunday school this morning, shining as light. Shine as light. Where people trip up on you, when they step on you several times, do you react like they do? Magbiality. Is your eyes behind your head? Can't you see my leg? When you talk like that, you cannot influence them. You cannot. You listen to the same kind of music, just like they do. No difference. And wherever there's no difference, brothers and sisters, you lose your witness and your moral authority. It's that simple. That is why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye what? Separate. Seer the Lord and touch not the unclean thing. I want to round up. In other words, what that scripture is saying, is do not be unequally yoked. When you are equally yoked, you cannot make a difference in the lives of people. Church, am I making sense? I hope you are listening. We are going to give account, not just for our decisions, but by how others are affected by our decisions. As a father myself, or as a pastor, I understand that very much. How a decision I can make can affect my wife, can affect my children, or can affect the church. How would it feel when you hear, ah, newspaper, we saw him in a brothel doing this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Choices. That is why I said sometime earlier in this message that there are some things that I've been held back from doing. Why? Not because I'm con it, it comes out of deep conviction or because of my moral suasion, but because of sometimes, ah, how will this affect others? I'm not saying all of the time, but if we are honest, those decisions and choices cross our paths. Because everybody faces temptation. You remember that girl who was interviewed, was it on social media or on television, when they were doing Big Brother some years back? He's a worker in the Redeemed Christian Church of God that said, Ah, I will do anything in that Big Brother house because of what? $100,000. What were people pointing at? See, they call themselves Christian, redeem, redeem, redeem. Who took the fall? The church. She went out to say that she's a worker in redeem. Bad choices. Bad choices. So, we need to ask ourselves these five questions when we are making choices and taking decisions. I know they are by no means exhaustive, but I think these five, if you hold on to them, 
and apply them in your life daily, they will guide us aright. And speaking of decisions, is it not amazing, as I close, is it not amazing that God will give us the freedom to choose? Have you ever sat down to think about it? That God gives us the freedom, the all-powerful God gives us the freedom to choose. If he wanted to, he could have made us all, all, all of us, not to have a choice, but to serve him. Is it not? He has the power. He would have made everyone, compelled us to serve him by force. But you know what? That would not be relationship. That would not be relationship. And God wants relationship. And relationship is what? You choose. Relationship is the right to choose. For those of us married, for me, one of the reasons I am attracted to my wife is because out of all of the men that she could have married, she chose me. That is relationship. Out of all the husbands, he asked me to marry him. That is relationship. The ability and the right to choose. It was not prearranged. Even though sometimes I know she may wish that there was an escape clause. But the truth is that out of everybody, she said, I will marry you. That is what makes the relationship interesting. Is it not? That is why the same God made us to choose freely. Could have arranged it that we are stuck with him and have no choice. But that would not be relationship. That would not be intimacy. That would be religion. Do you understand the difference between religion and intimacy or relationship? That would have been religion. God is saying, I want you to choose me. That relationship. You have a choice to choose any other, but choose me. When Moses died, Joshua stood up before the people in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, I think. Yes, Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. Let me read from the New Living Translation. It says, Today I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses. You see? Life, death, blessings, and curses. They may seem like an easy decision to make. It may seem like that. But it's not always that easy. He said, Now... I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you will choose life so that you and your descendants might live. What descendants is he talking about? Descendants is talking about the long-term implications of the decisions you make today. Do you know that 50 years down the line, your grandchildren may be able to say, Ah, because of the decision that my grandfather or my grandmother made on the 25th day of July 2021, everything in my family line changed. Do you know that? Because you made the right decision. While for some, because of this choice that my father or my mother made on so and so a date, everything in my family turned upside down. Choices. The choice today could be a choice to rededicate your life to Christ.
If you ask yourself all of these five questions and you see that your life does not align or your answers are not in the affirmative, the choice for you today could be to rededicate your life to Christ. That choice could be a choice to give up on certain habits that you have and you make that decision today, asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Habits that are leading you to destruction. Or that choice could be a choice to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You come to church, you go, but you know, you know deep down in your heart, you know it, that if you were to drop dead now, you are not certain you will make it to heaven. You could make that choice today. Because choosing Jesus is choosing life. Choosing Jesus is choosing life. Choosing Jesus is choosing blessings rather than causes. And I urge you to do so if you have not done so before. You may also choose, like I said earlier, to rededicate your life today if all your, if your life's decisions have not passed the five tests which we aligned, outlined for just the benefit of a refresher. What are the five tests? Has your life and your decisions agreed with the word of God? Has your life been lived with integrity? And what did I say integrity was? A closed gap between your public life and your private life. What you do in dark is what you do in the open. What about the improvement question? Have your choices been such that have improved your life? Have your choices been such that have improved others around you? Or your choices have been to bring others down and bring yourself down? And what about the addiction test? Have things outside of God dominated your life? Have you made other things your God outside of God? And the last, how will your decision and your choice to surrender or rededicate your life to Jesus today likely impact you and impact those who are coming after you? I'm giving you the opportunity to choose wisely. It's your choice. Shall we rise to our feet? I want to ask every one of us to close our eyes for us to reach that sense of intimacy with God this morning. Shut your eyes. Begin to talk to God. Ask Him for help. Be honest with yourself this morning and ask yourself, how far gone, how far separated am I from God? It is not the hearing of the word that matters, but the application of what we have heard. 
How well have you applied the word of God in your life? And if you are here and you want to make a choice for Jesus, for him to be your Lord and to be your Savior, or perhaps being truthful with yourself, you have said to yourself, wow, I have been far apart from God and the things of God. And I want to rededicate myself to him this morning. I just want you to wave that hand at me. All I want to do is pray with you. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning and I surrender my life to you. Leave that hand, just wave it at me. Just wave it at me. You want to rededicate it this morning? You want to come back to the old ways? You want to rededicate your walk with Christ because you have been far gone. I just want that hand to be lifted so I can pray with you this morning. Is there anyone who's surrendering his life? Who's saying, Jesus, come into my life afresh. Come anew. Come and be my Savior. Come and be my Lord. I want you to pray along with me. Repeat after me and say, Jesus, I do believe you are, you are God's son. And that you lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death so that I could be forgiven of my sins. This morning, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. From this moment forward, O oh Lord, I want an unbroken relationship with you. I want an unbroken relationship with you. I want deep intimacy with you. Purify my heart. Wash it clean, O oh God, by your word and by the blood of Jesus. Make me a new person. That my life will be your worship and will be your praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Help me, Lord. I want you to take just one minute to talk to God. Open your heart up to God. Ask him to come into your affairs. Ask him to invade your space this morning. To invade your life. Give him permission. Say, Lord, come and take over. Holy Spirit of God, come and take over my life. Help me in this work. Help me in this work because on my own, I cannot do it. Except you help me, O Lord. Help me, O Lord, so that my life will glorify you. So that my life will bring you honor. Every day and every moment. In the name of Jesus. Let my life, O God, match up with your word. Let it not contradict your word. Let me live my life with integrity, O God. In the name of Jesus. Let what I say not be different from what I do. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, that my life will glorify you. Help me, Lord, to make an impact in others' lives. To make an impact in my own life. Let nothing dominate my life but you, O oh God. Father, in the name of Jesus, help me to make the right choices. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, and let my life glorify you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I give you glory.
Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Everlasting Father, we bless you. You've heard the cry of your people, O God. Answer us. Meet us at the point of our needs. And let your name be glorified. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Hallelujah.